Well, welcome back from a extended break to this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. That's right. Did you miss us, guys? We took off last week. Well, Margot was gone <laughs> last week. I literally took off. Li- Margot literally took off, and then I just got lazy and just decided not to do a podcast. And I waited f- anxiously by my computer for the emails to start streaming in. <laughs> demanding an episode of Say Something Interesting. People banging on the door, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Yeah, I think there must be something wrong with my internet because I didn't get any. <laughs> so we're back whether you like it or not, everybody. And Margo's back in town. Margo had a little uh, vacay to the Oregon coast area. A little seaside action. Got to go see uh, Haystack Rock, all that good stuff. Welcome back, Margo. How was the trip? It was great. Yeah? It was so much cooler than it is here. It was probably like 67 degrees every single day. <laughs> Here's what you missed. 100 degree weather and fire everywhere. Yeah, I, uh, I'd i like to say it's great to be back, but, uh, <laughs> you know, pastor shouldn't lie. Right. <laughs> Good to be back at Eastlake, but if Eastlake could just be uh, picked up and lifted into a better climate, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You did pick like one of the weeks of the year, one of the probably four weeks of the year that Seaside is like probably really nice right now. <laughs> Every time I've been to Seaside, I never it's saw always the cloudy, gloomy. Well, here's the thing. So as we're driving over there, his parents are sending us a picture from the room, blue skies. Second yeah. we show up into town, like the cloud oh, it just, changes The fast. cloud sat on it all week long. We'd be driving someplace and we'd have blue sky on the road. We'd pull into the parking lot and the cloud, cloud would fall. Yeah. And so as we're leaving, his parents sent us a picture of the beach with blue skies again. I was like, you oh. jerk. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw that. Did you uh did you go to the uh, little arcade or the uh, uh oh, yes. the bumper boats and the not bumper boats but bumper uh boats. bumper cars bumper cars uh, I don't think that would carousel. fit in a bumper cars <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh, what did he do so we played a couple arcade games he was like all about that and for me it was something I wasn't allowed to do as a kid so arcade. Oh, yeah. My parents were like, that's a ripoff. The only game oh, we're allowed okay. to do. So it's do... not like moral, moral No, 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 no. It was, we don't want to spend the money. Like, we never went to Chuck E. Cheese. We never did any of that. Gotcha. And uh, the only thing we're allowed to do is on Hampton Beach in New Hampshire, there was this ancient old lady that my dad's like, she looked ancient when I was a kid. And she had a shooting gallery, which is like those guns that shoot. Like, it sounds like it's shooting a bullet, but it's like a beam of light on little targets, and yep. it makes little animatronic things dance and light up. And this Absolutely. was like, it was a huge one. Like, it was a whole stage of things to hit and target, and he'd give us like two bucks. So, yeah. you know, eight quarters to- Thanks, Dad. Woo! So he could get a beer in peace kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, we played we played Fascination at the end, which was fun. I've never played that before. I've seen the game. I've never played it. It's pretty addictive, especially because yeah. it's only 25 cents a game. Yeah. Like, you get really amped up. Yeah. So, it was fun. Good. It was good. Got some saltwater taffy, I'm sure. No, I'm not a big saltwater taffy person. Oh, wow. We got, you cannot go to the Oregon. They have it literally everywhere. I know. We got fried dough or elephant ears. Okay. And that was that was fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's like, uh, yeah, I got fish and chips. Did you go to Dugers at all? Dugers, no. Didn't go to Moe's either. I guess <sighs> Moe's is like. Oh, Moe's and Dugers. Both and of the best. And Bo Picker. Yeah, well, yeah, that's in Astoria. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bunch of places. We ate in, which was great because it was cheaper. So, <laughs> how far did you like explore? Like, what did you? We went all the way down to Lincoln City. Okay. So we hit up Tillamook and yeah. like the actual oh, cheese Oh, man, place. I haven't been to the Tillamook Cheese Factory in a long flipping time. I'm nervous to say this. It was kind of a letdown. The gift shop, though, after the end when they're like giving you samples of ice cream. 
Come oh, on. there was no samples of ice cream. <gasps> it was just cheese. Did they stop doing that? It was just cheese. No, you yeah. you forgot the you and then went the, to the cheese wrong place. line was like twenty minutes long. Oh, it was crowded. Like it was, they had regular parking, which is paved. They had overflow parking, which was a dirt lot, and then across in a farm field, there was another parking. Let with me a remind shuttle. you, you went in one of the three weeks of the year that it was Oregon like a is Tuesday really nice. Morning it doesn't matter. <laughs> People are like, finally, there's no rain. Go quick. Yeah, there was probably like 80 people in line for to buy ice cream. And so it yeah. was just kind of overwhelming and yeah. I don't know. It was a, it was a little much. So actually we went to the coffee place across the street as coffee roasters and talked with the roasters and that was a wonderful experience. Was it? Well, there you go. You <laughs> made got, it work. We got cheese curds for the same price we'd buy at yeah. the grocery store and uh, went on our way. <laughs> nice. Very good. Lincoln City, fun. We, Rhodes, we used Rhodes to go there a lot. Or whatever. That's the yeah. big which say it again? Roads End or Trails uh, End or Oh yeah yeah it's like a restaurant or something that No no uh, it's a it's a beach like where the oh. there's like a big cliff that like stops the beach in its tracks Oh cool I don't know. Yeah. yeah yeah there you go well, <laughs> Awesome And That's then we great. went all the way up of course to Astoria Astoria Yes and saw the bow picker the famous bow picker and saw the line the famous line <laughs> and went to the world famous Goonies yeah. house We tried tried we tried. Matt, Matt Matt made a big claim on Facebook saying he was going to do a Facebook live video of him doing the truffle shuffle. Oh, <laughs> man. the Goonies house. Nice. And I, all I could do is shake my head and go along for the ride. But as we approached, they had this big sign that said, like a handwritten sign that said, do not walk on this road. Do not drive up this road. No pictures allowed. Police will be called. And then, you know, we're, there's still this like, well, we can just do a drive by. <laughs> And as we turn in, the owner is, like, leaving. And so we, like, back out. And he, like, gives us the mean eye. And as we, we wait for him to turn around the corner and we start to drive and his wife walks out with the cell phone glaring at us, like. I'm calling the cops. With the, with it ready, being like, I'm going to go. Oh, my word. So, so. Did you glimpse the house at all? Uh, You could see it a little bit. And it's covered with blue tarps. Yeah. Because they don't want anyone to even. Yeah. I'm like, how. In the back of my head, I'm like, how miserable is your existence that. You're on 24-7 police patrol, yeah. which is apparently it's not a private road. Like they shouldn't, they can't even say you're not allowed to go down it because it's not a private road. It's a part of the city of Astoria. Yeah. And that you tarp up your house. Like you have a beautiful ocean view and you're not even seeing it because you're so On the flip side, upset. having people like show up at your house until midnight and being like, it's I was just taking of, it's pictures like you in your front know. yard. You knew that when you bought it, right? Don't act like you didn't know. I get it. I understand it. I can see kind of a little bit of their side stuff too, but- uh, uh, question: When was the last time you saw the movie The Goonies? We actually watched it on vacation. <gasps> Did just you? To oh, there it. you go. Okay. So here's a question for you: How old is The Goonies? Oh, it's old. It is. Uh, let's see, 1980, like early 80s. Is that right? 83, 84. It is 33 years old now. So, th- so 85. Yeah. 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 So when we were in Astoria, we went to a couple of vinyl record shops. And they had the Goonies soundtracks Aww. in like perfect condition, still in the wrapping, all that kind of stuff. And it was very much a we recognize that outside of Astoria, this would cost about five dollars. In Astoria, if you want it, it's the memorable keepsake. We're gonna charge you thirty five dollars <laughs> for this vinyl. And you're like, oh, it would be cool to buy the Goonies soundtrack from Astoria. 
but not for $35. For that one Cindy Lauper track. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I play it, I'm like, ooh, this was totally a nostalgic buy. That is all this is. <laughs> we went to... Should have left in the wrapping. There was a coffee place that was like just down the street from the house, and they said, Goonies stuff sold here. So we went in, and they had like a Goonies blend of coffee that he roasted, and they, they were selling like there's a shelf of Goonies merchandise and Free Willy. I guess parts of Free Willy were filmed in Astoria? Uh, maybe. I yeah. had no idea. But uh, so they had all this Goonies stuff, and then in a basket with the Goonies merchandise, not some other place in the store, was Baby Ruth candy bars. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like you're really just like, what Dude, else can we pull? You know what's so in? funny? Like one movie gets made there 33 years ago, and the town is still like, yeah, we're like Goonies famous, right? I mean, think about it. If L.A. <laughs> If L.A. or even even Seattle was like, hey, we're going to like capitalize on every movie that was Big made in film here. Big cities don't do that, though. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, there is Sleepless in Seattle, right? So they have like the, the same cafe that uh, Tom Hanks uh, went to is like big in Pikes Place Market. They have like the pictures and stuff. But like for the most part, yeah, you're right. It's just not. It's just not there. My but, college town is where Jumanji was filmed, and they hold that torch very high. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, at small towns, you're like, hey, we guys, guys, we got famous for like a, a, a hot minute. So, uh, so but, when you watch the movie, did you recognize any of the landscapes around there other than the house? Well, I was like, oh, that is Haystack Rock, which is like an hour south of here. That's a really long ways for them to ride their bikes by dinner time. Yes, <laughs> so, absolutely. So stuff like that was yeah. kind of interesting. And they filmed half of it on like a soundstage in California, too. So it's like. <laughs> but it made me intrigued to learn more about the Goonies I didn't know. So can I share some Goonies facts? Oh, yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll run through. I'll do the <laughs> like highlight reel. No. <laughs> yes. Now, let's move on to more important things. <laughs> All right. So one of the fun things is uh, the director wanted an, uh, an authentic reaction from the kids when they saw the pirate ship for the first time, right? Like they made it through all the puzzles and mazes. And so they actually never saw the set until that first take. But unfortunately, so many of them cursed <laughs> that they couldn't <laughs> use the first take. I thought that was pretty great. And then another one was uh, the late John Mc- Matsuzak, the guy that plays Sloth. I didn't know he was an NFL defenseman liner for the Oakland Raiders. Linebacker? Yeah, until 1981. Interesting. So wow. he's a, a big football guy. Huh. So that's pretty Did cool. Did not know that. Uh, also, the, at the end, when you see the pirate ship sail away, sorry, spoiler, uh, <laughs> the model that they used to film that had a hidden r2d2 on the deck of it which i thought was a fun oh, funny like geeks playing homage to geeks right uh there's a bunch of material cut which when i'm watching it as an adult i'm like this makes no sense uh like there was a goonies oath which explains like a little bit like who are the goonies like why are they called the goonies there's so many questions that you have in as adult that yeah. like make sense that they cut off bits and pieces of it um one-eyed willie when you see him at the end that's a real human skull <laughs> it was not a prop wow. uh Another one is uh, the film took only five months to produce and was shot almost entirely in sequence, which never happens in films. It's always pieced together, which I thought was kind of cool. At the end, when they are reunited with their families, most all of the parents are their actual parents. Oh, really? Which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) When Data, the, the Asian kid with all the inventors, falls into the pit, 
uh, he screams, holy S-H-I-T, because the actor promised his mother that he would not curse in the film. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. And so we caught that when we were watching it. Matt's like, did he just spell it out? <laughs> and now we know why. Uh, took five hours of makeup to create sloth. Not too shocking. A lot of it was animatronics. It was like a mechanical head that was used by remote control, which is really difficult when you have a whole ending that takes place in water. Yeah. And so his head kept malfunctioning. His eye would go haywire. <laughs> they'd have to reshoot a bunch of his scenes. Uh, the guy that uh, played Chunk, Jeff Cohen, was so committed to his role that he showed up to work with chicken pox out of fear of calling in sick and losing his part. Jeez. Also, fun fact, where's Jeff Cohen now? Because I got to know. Like, what do you do after Chunk? Right. Uh, well, puberty hit, and he joined the football team and lost a bunch of weight, and now he's a lawyer. So There you go. <laughs> he, he made it work. Um, let me see. The actor, Sean, Sean Does he Astin. still do the truffle shuffle? Just I, He has no, no truffle to shuffle. I know, right? That's true. <laughs> Sean Astin, uh, who played Mikey and Samwise Gamgee and all the other good characters in the world, was allowed to keep the map, the pirate map from the film. But unfortunately, a few, a few years later, his mother threw it out, thinking it was a crumbled up piece of paper. Oh, man. There goes a piece of Goonies history. You could have made $100 on eBay. And then at the end of the filming, the director and crew to celebrate slid down the giant Goonies water slide after wrapping. And fun fact, that soundstage had 900,000 gallons of water. Oh, my goodness. So That's crazy. Yes. Those are some Goonie facts for you guys to enjoy. Have you ever been to LA and gone and seen some of those soundstage stuff? Mm-mm. Uh, or any, any... I haven't been to California. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I just remember that. But they film in other places. Have you ever been anywhere they film and they do a soundstage? Like East it's... Coast, the only place they really film is New York, Georgia. Chicago? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Georgia has the largest soundstage on the East Coast. My master's program, Asbury, had the second largest, but that's about it. And did yeah. they, so, but did you go see it at Asbury? Oh, no, because you yeah, were I worked. Distance. I worked in there. No. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I did some stuff down yeah. there. It's just crazy how you, like, walk in and it feels like a different world and all the lights make it feel... I did see feel... where SNL was filmed. I guess that counts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, isn't that incredibly small? Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's, like, smaller than our theater, it feels like. I mean, it's <laughs> not big at all, you guys. And yet the way that they transform it, and uh, there's some cool stuff, cool facts about SNL, like that all of their sets are all disposable. Like they throw them out. They just destroy them at the end of the, the show. The, the, the pirate ship used in the film, the director said, anyone that wants it can take it. And no one took it. So they scrapped it. Like, And that was like a full scale, like took so much time to build. Anybody that wants it, come get it. But you got to haul it. <laughs> Yeah, you haul just like everyone that has a piano up in their house somewhere. I know, right? Exactly. Oh, good stuff. Well, great to have you back. Glad that the trip was fun and nice and refreshingly cool and not blazingly hot. We also, our theater uh, was part of the electricity outage last week. And so not only do not we... Not like we have AC. <laughs> not only do we not have AC in the main theater, we didn't have it throughout the building, the whole building for like several did, hours on did Wednesday. Do we have any any power? Like, nope, nope. No just, videos? No. Well, uh, that was just not, uh, it was just for uh, like a part of the day on Wednesday. So, or Thursday, I can't remember what day it was. But anyways, it was it was very interesting. You're like, well, time to go work somewhere else. <laughs> An excuse to get that coffee exactly. and sit in the local I guess that's bit. a sign I'm supposed to go to the local and get some coffee. <laughs> I get signs like that all the time. There's a cloud <laughs> a passing less. overhead. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I think. yeah it seems like a good time. 
Uh, yeah, good. Hey, we uh, continued our series, uh, and really, I mean, started it because we didn't do a show last week, and last week was the week one of our secular age, our secular world, the the, uh, the new series that we just started. Um, unfortunately, Margot hasn't listened to either message, so it's like you're coming into this just like somebody else who just picked up this podcast and didn't even know it was related to a church and I'm had in the nothing hot to do. Seat. You're in the hot seat. Uh, so essentially the overarching, uh, question of the entire message is, um, how have we gone from 500 years ago, a world which like a belief in a deity and a God was like a natural default assumption to 500 years later, year 2000, whatever, uh, where it's like, not only not, is it, uh, uh, it's impossible not to believe. It's kind of like almost hard to believe what has changed in that time. Um, how have we gotten here? What's the, it, the narrative that, that is often told is, uh, this subtraction narrative, one that science has kind of solved everything for us, and we don't really need deities. We don't need to believe in spirits and, and uh, weird things. Now now we, we kind of know, and if we don't know it, we eventually will give it enough time. Like, we don't know the cause of cancer yet, but we're throwing enough money at it. Someday somebody smart's going to figure something out, and we'll get there, right? So there's not a lot of transcendence in the world. We live in a world that really, really lacks transcendence, but we also live in a world that's... Um, progressively haunted as well. It feels like every once in a while you'll hear a song, you'll watch a movie, somebody will say something, you'll have a conversation with somebody or an event will spark in your life where you're like, there's something more than what I can see, touch, feel, or hear in this moment. Like it strikes a chord, it strikes, we're all in this pursuit for significance and meaning and it's more than just make money, retire rich, golf a whole bunch, and then call it quits. Do you know what I mean? Um, like there's there's got to be a, I, I, I'm supposed to do, I feel a sense of doing something more. If you've ever had that sense of of um, a higher calling or, or um, more kind of in tune with like, like this, this decision doesn't make sense economically, but I'm going to do it anyway because I feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. Well, I feel like at least in the millennial generation, that's pretty apparent because they say millennials are some of the generations most likely to volunteer. Right. And so I know a bunch of people that aren't religious, but they'll go to orphanages and volunteer for a couple of weeks or an animal sanctuary in India or they like they feel motivated to do something with their money, with their time. They'll take uh, they'll do. And this is traditionally not common in America, more so in European countries. They take a gap year you know, before between high school and college to do the Peace Corps or some, some do sort the of... Do El Camino? Yeah, right? that'd be great. Uh, but, that's, but that's not really a charitable thing. I guess no. it's a self-discovery. But I, yeah, but that's self-discovery, yeah. though. Like, I do the El Camino, and I because your friend, I can't remember what her name was. Caroline. Caroline uh, goes and does it. And for her, it's like this... Not only is it just like I'm in, in touch with nature, Walking but... Walking by yourself for um, like three months. Dude, our world does not know how to be alone with itself. Yeah. As soon as my wife leaves the dinner table, my phone comes out. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm checking mail. I'm checking Instagram. I'm checking something. I'm Our check- brains need to be constantly occupied yeah. with other. I need to produce. I need to make full use of this time because I don't want to waste it. I adore my husband, but that is definitely his M.O. Yeah. Like he, he either a TV has to be on or his cell phone has to be on, or he has to be playing a video game. There's something he constantly needs engagement. Like, we'll be lazing in bed on a Saturday morning, and I'm thinking, we can just lay here and just, like, chill. No, he ne- he needs to be doing something, Yeah, which is why I think he's such a great morning person. Because for me, I'm like, I'm totally content <laughs> to just, like, chill right. out. And he's like, nope, I need to be doing something. I need some sort of mental stimulation. Yeah, which like makes it really hard we we don't know really what true like 
personal transcendences or we, we um, meditation's difficult. Uh, it's a reason why I think prayer's difficult for a lot of people. Like if you talk to people like, I hate reading, I hate prayer, I fall asleep all the time because we don't know what to do. Our bodies are like, oh, we're not doing anything. This is this must mean we're supposed to sleep right now because <laughs> we're so used to doing something the all sec- of the, the rest of the time. The second that we stop, yeah, it's the second like... we stop, <sighs> yeah, and we're probably so in need of sleep. They're like, perfect, this is a great time. Let's shut You're this thing down. You're not watching Netflix right now. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, so that's definitely uh, a, a difficult thing. So that was kind of the case that was presented in week one, and then in this last week we talked about uh, one of the evolutions over the past 500 years started as a result of the Protestant Reformation. And whether you're not religious or not, this is like world history. This is like what happened is there was a diversification of jobs. There used to be like religious jobs and then secular jobs. So you had monks and nuns go, you guys go be spiritual. We'll just be regular Secular meaning... Secular meaning not religious, not not evil or anti-religious, just not religious, like and that's completely like, neutral. To clarify, that is a term that the world has created. You won't find the word secular in the Bible at no, all. No, no, no. It's no, just like, just... it's like, well, we know what this is, so what do we call the other thing? Yes, it was trying to delineate because religion was so ingrained with so many things for so long. Um, that they, that histor- historians came up with this secular word to be like, okay, this was just completely neutral. And so they would oftentimes treat their workplace in that way. And then the Reformation happens. And then all of these uh, reformers, Martin Luther, John Calvin, begin to say, it's not just the monks and the priests who are supposed to be religious. It's really all of you guys, like all of us. Let's <laughs> we are all, all in this let's together. Let's all raise the standard up, which is good. It also incorporated... Um, like some sort of a religious motivation into people's workplace. And so you've got a verse like Colossians 3.23 that talks about whatever you do, do it as if working for the Lord and not for men. Um, And so then all of a sudden it became like this ingrained, you could go be a uh, blacksmith and do all of your work. And even though it feels very secular, it's not like I'm creating Bibles or reading Bibles or praying for people or reading last rites over people or whatever. Like the fact that you're making something to kind of push society forward and make life more comfortable for everybody um, is a benefit to society. And so then you you have this shift in, uh, in kind of uh, everybody making uh, in that moment a... Um, part of their job had a religious bent to it. And that included a lot of the uh, scientific work that's going on. What happens is you begin to get people who, out of a motivation for religious and theological purposes, go and try and discover the how this world thing works. And and we say that science kind of like answers the question of religion, so we no longer need it. And the irony is, when you look back on it, it was actually the thing that started the scientific revolution and had people go, we should dive into this. We should know more about our creator and we should know how things work because it speaks to the glory of who God is. Well, it's like the more the more you study science and like, because, you know, you start at like baby steps, right? Like, oh, there's animals and plants. There's, you know, there's living organisms. And then the deeper you dive, the more you're like, this is a Pandora's box and I'm never going to be able to get to the bottom of this. I could spend my whole life yeah. in a scientific journey. And to me, that... What better exemplifies like who I'd want God to be? And that is someone that is so brilliant and infinite that I can never completely figure, I say him because lack of whatever, can never figure them out because they are bottomless and they are infinite. So to me, I think science is a beautiful complement to religion in that sense. And uh, I mentioned in this thing at the very end, so how did it get to the spot where now we've kind of sunk into like the default narrative is science ruined religion, um, which isn't true at all. Um, 
And the, the problem that we got to is we've prioritized how things work over the overarching question of why they work and what's the end goal of all of this, right? And science doesn't really have a lot to say about that. It says, here's how these, here's how the atomic structure works for nuclear energy, you know, and, uh, and that's all impressive and it's great. And it, but then it begins, it, it, it uh, ignores or overlooks or why, or, you know, like that's just a whole different category that it, that science just can't possibly explain. It's just even, not meant to. It's even, not that it can't, but it just, yeah. it's not meant to. Yeah. It, it does. It's not fit into its philosophy as it were. Right. And Absolutely. that makes sense to me because if we look at, if God created the world in a state of perfection, and then the fall happened, and then what was perfect became imperfect, including creation. Then things like allergies. Like if you ask a scientist, what is the purpose of allergies? There's there's no good purpose. Like it doesn't it doesn't help the body in any way. Yeah. Like what's the purpose of like even if you could say cancer, like oh we have too many people on this planet, but allergies aren't going to kill you. They're just going to make you miserable. Right. And or so, if you've been camping this summer, <laughs> why do mosquitoes exist? What is the purpose of these things? They're yeah. annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something like, eats mosquitoes, though. That's like bats okay, and birds. I don't and... know. Whatever. They're probably, you're right. <laughs> but they're not supposed to give you horrible That's diseases. That's not what I'm saying when I'm slapping them <laughs> off my arms all night long and I wake up the next morning with bumps so, all over. So science to me doesn't really explain things like allergy because there is no like, but why? Like, but but why? But mm-hmm. why, is it, why isn't this system, which like science will clearly say like the human body is remarkable and miraculous and well maybe not miraculous because that would go against their philosophy <laughs> right. but but you know like it's just it is a like the fact that the muscles and the bones and we're so symmetrical and balanced and like there's so many like the things to the human eye there's so many layers like in a system that has so much balance and so much perfection why are these imperfections and like God can answer that, but science is just like, duh, something broke down, and I don't know why it broke down. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I want to be very clear when I say the default answer is we used to believe in a lot of weird stuff. Science came along and had naturalist explanations. Now we don't need all that anymore. I do believe that that is very much like 99% true. Like it's very- There's not a volcano god that yeah, gets mad you didn't give him so extra true. I'm not fruit. denying that, hoping we go back to this anti-science stuff. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that a lot of times history has a way of feeling obvious. This is what I said on Sunday. History has a way of feeling Looking back, we'd be like, oh, that's so obvious. And in our current climax, whenever whatever decisions we're making right now feels very complex. It feels very like, wow, I could I go really this or I could do this, this. And I don't really know. And two years from now, you're going to look back and be like, that was so obvious. Of course I did the right thing. Of course I did the wrong thing or whatever. Right. So there's there's more complexity to that answer than just we have science now and science made religion less necessary. Okay. I think it's even a big step that the current Pope was like, doesn't he have some degree or he studied for so many years in biology and Oh, I like, don't know. Yeah, the current the current Pope is like a huge science enthusiast and supporter, which coming from the Catholic Church, which I mean is the oldest church. Like they used to not do nice things to all scientists. So yeah. the fact that we've now gotten to a place of of comfort of of a symbiotic relationship between science and religion. I think that's great. And yeah. I think the more this, the people that have dismissed religion realize that most people in religion have a positive relationship with scientific theory and thought, uh, the better communication we can have. Yeah. Yeah. And the goal of the series is not, let's talk about the battle between science and faith. It's That's not like it. It just is this starting it's point. It's a component. Yeah, it's the starting point for this argument that we're going to be making about what's changed over 500 years. Well, the thing that has drastically changed is our knowledge of how the world works. I mean, we know more 
the trajectory of information and understanding about all of that in the last 500 years supersedes the previous 5,000 years. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like an elementary school, past. like a fifth grader knows more about how the world works than many people even 200 years ago. Uh, the the best scientists of 200 years ago. I can't hold a candle to what our fifth graders know. Absolutely. Speaking of fifth graders, um, it's almost time for school to start back up, Margo. And I've got three Count them. One, two, three kids going to school in two weeks on a bus all day you long. Are almost, you are almost clear. You I are am, almost in the... Uh, <laughs> I am so close. We are so close. We are like literally counting down the days. We're like, oh, summer's great, but you know what? There's a bus coming to pick you up at 8.15 in the morning, and you're going to get on it. I love your school bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are going to get on it. Uh, it's so great. And and here's the deal. Like, I work. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not with them all day long. It's I know it's for my wife, but it also is... It's for me in that I get a better, better version, not a better version of my wife. I What's was right thinking it there? too. Like I need the word you, right. you as a husband love when your wife is happy and yes. thriving and healthy, mentally yes. and physically. She works very hard also, and in the summertime, it's you just are like celebrating overtime. your wife's extra personal time. Absolutely, absolutely. So, there you go. It's all good. <laughs> uh, that was a small sidetrack, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, let's let's move into our say something interesting. We like to close out every podcast with a little thing that we have found interesting over the uh, the past two weeks for this for this scenario. Uh, Margie, you want to kick us off on what's something that you found interesting? Okay, I have two because they're really short. One is like a to make yourself a better person in this world, and the other one's like if like the Netflix of entertainment kind of not gonna help you in any way, shape, or form. So there's a book that's been going around, and I just I'm shouting into the wind at this point because I feel like so many people have read it, and it's it's geared towards women. I don't not saying that men aren't gonna get something from it, but if you haven't read it, if you ha- have been under a rock or have been going crazy because your kids are in summer mode and haven't been on social media or, or talking with your friends, read the book, Girl, Wash Your Face, because it is... Is that Rachel Hollis? Yes. Okay. So each chapter is super... Like, they're like micro chapters with... Fun, like, each of Which them... Which is exactly what moms need. Like, I have I got, literally 45 seconds I to read something. Bathroom. Give me some insights. Like, I, yeah. I have... Maybe if I can get the door locked yeah. and put Paw Patrol on. Right. I got, like, 120 seconds I to myself. I need insight in 45 seconds or less. Go. But the book is really wonderful. They're all short, like, lies that women tell themselves. And she is a Christian, but it's, like, it's really good, especially if you have that friend that doesn't really feel comfortable at church or is kicking the tire. Because that's not what she's leaning on, per se. It's, like, it is a part of her story, but it's not, like, pray these verses and you'll have this peace over this situation. Like, it's very much, like, this is something that we as women struggle with and these are the lies that we tell ourselves and these are ways to break through, uh, free through all of them. So I've, I laughed, like first line in the book had me laughing out loud. She's very humorous and real. And so that's a great book. So that's my, like to make yourself a better person pitch. Uh, this is something that I got sucked in. I don't know if it was an Instagram ad and I found myself down a wormhole. Uh Oh, those <laughs> so, are dangerous. So there's, there's an, I've app, done that. There's an app, an app called Webtoon. And it's essentially where people were um, artists that aren't signed to like a comic book or they publish uh, comics, for lack of a better term, or stories, illustrated stories. And there's this one story that was like so beautiful, like the Adam, like this is like I'd love this as like a painting in my dining room. And I'm like, this is a comic, like all of his art looks like this. And it's called Lore Olympus. And it's about um, like uh 
your ancient gods. So it's about like Hades and Persephone. And what keyed me off to really be interested in it is I had a friend that posted on their Facebook, like, never think that you can't be a complex person. Persephone is the goddess of spring and married to like the king of the underworld. <laughs> like you can be sweet <laughs> and sour. And so I'm like, oh, this is about Hades and Persephone. And so I'm reading it and I am dying of laughter, which is bad because my husband's trying to sleep next to me. And I am like tears down my face laughing. But I'll see the art is super beautiful. The story is engaging. Like I never paid much attention in mythology. That was never my thing. Like I had no interest to see Brad Pitt and Troy. Like that whole world of like Zeus. I liked I liked Hercules, the cartoon as a kid. That's about it. And so to me it's really interesting just learning more about these literary, you know. So staples. while you're talking, I'm Googling Lore Olympus artist and I see some of his art. It is great. It's fantastic. Really lots of like pink colors but like lots of it's really well, great. I was reading like their thing and he's like you know I made Hades blue and I did, yeah. had to make Persephone pink yeah. so that she stands out against him and it's fantastic uh do you realize what his uh twitter username is oh no <laughs> it's used underscore band-aid <laughs> which is so gross but you remember it oh I'll never forget it because that is disgusting used band-aid at use band-aid but um, but yeah it's wow. cool it's a modernized like retelling of their story so That's like cool. the underworld looks like uh like new york city at night like it's like a perpetual nighttime city and it's will, just really will you include great. some links to more more of that in the uh, show sure. notes that'd be awesome for people to kind of explore all right i've got two i'm gonna do two as well i had one for Whoa. sure and then you just said that and i well, was because like because we've missed two, a week oh right? good that's good good explanation so uh mine follows the same vein one being productive and one being just entertainment all right so productive wise um our small group is going back through uh or going through the road back to you a book by ian crone talking about enneagram stuff and so i had mentioned in a recent podcast i don't know Couple months ago, uh, I took a test that was a nine. Uh, now I'm going back through the book, and we're trying to figure out. Okay, was it when you took the? I mean, there's there's other factors, right? You can like what mood are you in? Yeah, what season of life? Right. And now I'm not doing it in isolation, right? I've got nine other people, one of them being my wife, who are also going to kind of speak some insights in this. So I'm, I don't have an answer for you. We just started the book, and we're doing like a study guide thing, and, and we do it once every other week. Our, our small group all gets together, and so uh, I will constantly update you on that and give you like this idea of okay, this week I think I'm with this and that and the other thing. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of fun. So if you're looking for, if you want to know more about yourself self-discovery if you've heard of an enneagram uh, one of the best books that i've read or come across uh is this road back to you by ian crone check that out uh that's the productive if you want to be productive with your time if you want to waste your time through entertainment i just signed up for game pass with nfl.com okay preseason football is upon us sports sports story guys so if, you, if you're not really into sports you can check out at this point Margo's over here going oh check my phone now see what's going on with this lower olympus guy uh NFL does a thing called Game Pass. I just, I, I've heard about it before. You can't watch the games live. You can watch replays of them, all right? Of all of the out-of-market game, out games, which is fine. You know, it's great. We have three 10 o'clock Seahawks games going on, and I don't have a DVR this year. And um, you have children. And, and I have children and a job that requires me to be somewhere at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Um, so therefore, I, do, I would only be able to 
you know, look at the score, maybe watch some highlights on Sports Center or something like that until I got this Game Pass thing. So now, not only can I replay these games, here's the best part. That's that's kind of cool. I, li- I like it. I probably won't re- rewatch the Bills versus the Packers. Do you know what I mean? Um, or any Patriots game. However, uh, they do offer what are called condensed games. And this is the say something interesting that I want to talk about. They go through and they edit out all of the plays that are literally like no gain or minimal gain. They edit out all major like penalties. They do the announcement of the penalty. There's no commercials and there's no huddles. It's literally here's the play happening. And then a second later, here's the next play happening. So it's basically like watching a rugby game. It's basically <laughs> like speeding through. Like if you were so good at the remote on your DVR where you could be like, I'm, I'm flying through, but I got everything and I didn't miss well, it. Well, this is just taking away someone's glory because there is, you know, there's that one uncle that is a DVR pro. Oh, yeah. And now this is taking Sorry, away. Sorry, Uncle Carl. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> they made you are you have been uh, what's the replaced. What, replaced. Right. Obsolete. Uh, it's awesome. You can watch an entire football game in about 45 minutes or less. And that is going to make me watch more football this year, which is probably not a good thing. But well, you really had to pay attention for that forty-five minutes. That's like that's oh, the you're crux focused. There's no commercial breaks to be like, I'm going to go to the bathroom or go get you know go grab another drink or something like that. It's it. That's it. You're 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 locked in. I mean, you can pause it. You can do whatever. But I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I watched some preseason stuff because I, I we were camping for the Seahawks football game on Thursday, uh, so I didn't get to watch any of it. But. <laughs> Then this comes along, and I was able to watch it. Not only watch it, but watch it in about 40 minutes. So, boom, check it out. NFL Game Pass, if you're a football <laughs> fan, especially if you're out of market, right? If you move to the Tri-Cities or uh, or listening to this from somewhere else and, and you can't watch your team live on local stuff and you don't want to pay, like, Sunday tickets, like, 300 bucks. I mean, it's stupid. So, come on. Have a little patience. Watch it a little late, and there you go. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. Thanks for checking back in with us even after a two-week break. We love that you found this and listened to this and are willing to uh, share this with friends, too. So tell people about it, and uh, we will see you next week, guys. 